Hey everybody, welcome to episode three of the new season of Reporting is Eligible. Um, we got a good one because we had a kick-ass awesome win um, with very little to complain about. This is just going to be reveling in, in goodness, so um, I'm looking forward to that. We got a ton of good questions. Um, joining me is the usual crew in Wautosa. We have... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. 34 points ain't good. That's nothing we can't we can't complain about that. We'll get to that. We, we gave up fine things. We gave up 10 points, JR. We can complain about it, but there's a lot of context that makes it look way better. Um and it's even context that the advanced stats don't properly contextualize. You got to dig a little deeper. So well, um, advanced stats are for dorks. That's right. They're for dorks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. We hit that point really fast. We'll Check talk- that box right away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's been a fun Twitter evening with uh, the uh, the analytics nerds versus the, the troglodytes, um, who in this case happen to be beat reporters. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> good good times. Um, uh, uh, we should introduce our other person before we, we tear into people. <laughs> Sorry, do you guys remember Wacky Racers? Isn't, no, is it that's that? not a thing. The Hanna-Barbera cartoon? I remember Wacky it. Racers. It's the Scooby-Doo people versus okay, the Yogi so, people versus, yeah. So I was literally laughing so hard I sounded like the dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Muttley. Dick Dastardly and Muttley. Muttley? There's a reference that Muttley, everybody man. will yeah, get. Okay. All of the 65-year-olds in our audience are cracking up right now. I'm 30. <laughs> How do you One know of my favorite Wacky? underrated bits of this podcast is when we like forget to acknowledge Matub and it's just like we get to his introduction, <laughs> but so much happens first. I yep. love that about this podcast. I do too. And I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. Uh, he uh, snuck it in. Damn it. <laughs> Meme Smith, video producer for Acme Packing Company, general Twitter rabble rouser. Yes. And in case you don't, don't know what we're talking about, um, Rob Tomofsky and Bill Huber, two of the uh, two beat reporters, reporters for um, the Packers. Rob's with ESPN. I actually don't know who Bill is with, and I'm not going to uh, well, apologize. He's still, he's still Bill Huber SI on Twitter, oh, is he? so I'm going to assume it's. Well, yeah, I'm going to assume he's still with he's Sports, Sports Illustrated, which is a thing. And still, um, may it not be next week, but it is right now. Um, <laughs> Basically, um, said they have no interest. Whenever the term DVOA comes up, they have no interest in the story and close their computers right away and are just generally bored by it. And uh, additional context to that was around Mike McCarthy's decision to go for it, which kind of cost the Cowboys the game. Just just for the record, so we get this out there, um, the analytics were not actually in favor of Mike going for it there. It was about 50-50, kind of an even call. So really, it was a coach's decision on how he felt about like his ability to pick up that three yards versus... Um, you know, not do that and punt it away um, in terms of EPA probability, kind of the same. So the analytics didn't say that. So they were rallying against a thing that wasn't even true. But, uh, you know, if you don't understand what you're talking about, that happens sometimes. They ever just just go on Twitter and beat the hell out of a straw man. Just yeah. just beat the living daylights out of him. However, if you haven't checked out the conversation, I recommend you do because uh, Rob has been getting dunked on by blue check marks all night with some really good ones. Andy Herman had a really nice one. Uh, I think it was uh, one of the outsiders themselves. I think it was Doug Farrar. Uh, was it Doug or was it um, Tanir? One of them dunked on him real good. Go check that Doug. out. I think it was Doug too. Um, yeah, so w- well worth your time if you are looking for some sort of fire Joe Morgan um, beat up on the <laughs> person who doesn't understand it. I highly recommend checking out those comments in that timeline on Twitter. But uh, t- tangential aside, I literally just learned about how Moe's from The Office was it one of the guys. Who Wait, you too? Yeah, one of the guys who started. Like he, one of the guys who started Fire Joe Morgan did not know that. Tex didn't know that either, and I feel like I mentioned that on Acme Packing Company Slack like what? Tw- like twice a week. 
like, <laughs> yes, I know. I was. I, I feel like I knew that in two thousand eight, whenever the reveal was. It's been a very long a, time. I mean, I remember. <laughs> I remember that being a, a big thing because the, his his identity was sort of outed, so to speak, by by somebody who did some sleuthing mm-hmm. based on a book I think that Mindy Kaling had written and and Ken Tremendous was mentioned. So there was like some thought that he was in the Office universe, and yep. they did they did some contextualized clues and and they're like, holy crap, this guy that we're following who's anonymous is actually a Hollywood screenwriter. I mean, is a, is a well respected guy in television. It was crazy. Yep. But the way that you could have told, um, so even if you missed that news when it broke and you didn't know that, the way you could have told is um, the Florida Joe Morgan people, and Ken Tremendous in particular in his fictional life, worked for Fremulon Insurance Incorporated, a fake insurance company based in Bueno Series in Partridge, Kansas. Um, And Ken Tremendous's, uh, Michael Shore's production company is, in fact, Fremulon Productions. It's at the beginning and the end of every episode of Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and um, The Good Place. So. Hey, do you... I love though that we still call him Moe's. He's Michael He's Schur, a wildly yeah. successful <laughs> producer who is behind Parks and Rec, The Good Place. Like he is a monster, and is uh, Moe's Moe's from the office. It's, it's, yes. it's, an, it's an unforgettable character. He is an unforgettable character. He's great. Yep. We actually just watched The Garden Party the other day, where he has to park cars, and he's fantastic in that. So. It's a very small part that he did a lot with. Good job, Kendrick. Have you guys ever seen those those Google autocomplete interviews? Yes. Uh, a celebrity will uh, type in their name on Google, because, and then they yeah. <laughs> yeah. They so a celebrity types in their name on Google, and they answer the questions that autocomplete. And Nick Offerman did one, and one of them was, "Why is Nick Offerman the voice of Fremulon?" <laughs> and he's and he's like, uh, "Michael's a friend of mine," and was like, "Hey, you have a cool voice. Do you want to say Fremulon?" <laughs> <laughs> like that's the whole story. That's great. That's good stuff. Nick Offerman's great. He's that that whole universe. It's not really a universe, but the whole Michael Schur productions are fascinating. I don't even watch those shows and I respect them so much. They're they're just very well done and very smart, even if they have down episodes or they're sometimes even the good place can get a little bit um, inside of itself. (laughs) Leave a word out (laughs) there. Um, But uh, it's it's always a ton of thought goes into it, if nothing else. And they're clever as all hell. All right, man. You guys have me wanting to go on so many tangents that our viewers or our listeners would not we should, enjoy. We should probably not repeat the bottle shock episodes. We should probably talk about. <laughs> we got it. We got to do Vikings, yeah. especially when there's this good a game to talk about. Yes, indeed. Uh, we actually had a good one. The Packers were pretty much dynamite. Even the things that didn't go well for them were just like bumps in execution. Now, honestly, they could have scored sixty in this game very easily. Um, they had. A few drops, not even, well, MVS had some drops. Um, uh, Adams was overshot once on an easy touchdown. Um, they left points on the field. and uh, Josiah stopped running Josiah his route. Josiah stopped running one. his route, yeah. If, if anybody uh, goes back and watches that one, uh, one of their, he, they ran play action a lot. It actually only worked kind of half as well as it should have. On that one, Josiah DeGuerra was going to be open for a huge gain, maybe a touchdown, and he just stopped hustling. <laughs> he probably won't next week once they see that on tape. But So, if the all twenty two existed, which it doesn't, it's up now. It's up now. It's up okay. Now. As of an hour ago, people were still like, "Why?" <laughs> um, one of the greatest <laughs> one of the greatest Twitter traditions is um, people complaining Look. about the all twenty two not being up, especially the the first week. It's never up on time. Everybody should know this by now. Um, like, I, I am completely on your side, by the way, in the DVOA conversation. Completely on your side, but like, you are nerds. We, we have to establish that's fine. That two things can be true. <laughs> yeah, but. I want to compare the Josiah wheel route to all the times Vitali ran it. I think that's a good cop. When I saw that route, I thought that is the Danny Vitali route, and um, he should have caught it. (laughs) 
it also makes me think like we can't really Vitaly. judge. He caught it once. Yeah, he caught it like did yeah. he catch it twice? Maybe we'll... we shouldn't judge. Deguara. But he dropped it. Yeah, Deguara I think looks great, but we should uh, I think reserve judgment because Danny Vitale also looked great, and then couldn't do anything again. However, Deguara was also a monster was a monster blocking. He was he was fantastic blocking. So that's that's all good. Um, he earned his keep in that first game at least. So. Wrong all with that. were the blocking on the perimeter was ridiculous. It was absolutely oh my ridiculous. God. On the a touch pass, he he cut block two people at the same time. I was just like, oh my god! <laughs> if I, I in the Acme Packing Company Slack, I started referring to him as Athletic Mercedes Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> which is accurate. That's perfect, and and th- I mean that's what you want when you get that guy. Um, also, one of the things I liked about this game, uh, and I could, I wrote about some of the strategic things I liked. There was lots of cool execution to like too, but uh, they ran plays until the Vikings stopped them. And I don't need to see that touch pass with mm-hmm. Jamal Williams ever again, especially close to the goal line. But that touch pass kept working and kept working, and they kept getting good blocking on the outside. And so they ran it over and over, and then the Vikings stopped it, and then they didn't run it anymore. I, I love it when teams do that. That's did a Belichick you, thing. Did you hear? Did you hear Lafleur specifically mention that? Oh, no, I didn't. I missed that in the presser. He said, so he specifically mentioned um, Aaron had been bagging on him about like they would run a play once and it'd be done. And he said that they made an effort to run something until it was stopped. That's awesome. So, That's great. Yeah. I, I like it. And so there was a Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur. Working together combo. in perfect harmony. Yeah. So I, I was told by the beat guys that they hate each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not where fortunately that's we from. have analytics to tell us that they get along <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man are, are they gonna have like a hugs above replacement on the sideline now god i hope not it's the metric for for coach friendliness that sounds terrible all right um not in the COVID era we yeah. gotta shut that one down for COVID. Yeah, fair enough. Fist yep. fist bumps above replacement. Mm-hmm. Elbow bumps. Yep. Bar. I'm, I'm not even sure what my favorite like part or play of the game was. There were just so many that were just beautiful. Um, so many fun formations. Uh, it was just yeah. Great. It was I'm, my my favorite part was when Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He, I, I mean, that was like. There's the running meme of like he read the tweets. That was his. He read the tweets game. And, and before we, because we, we should talk about him first, because he's obviously the main storyline here. But like, I was still hearing people say, not to be a downer on this, but still hearing people, uh, the announcers pointing out how strong this defense is, the Vikings defense, and that the Packers, you know, put a hurt on a very good defense. Are we sure that that defense is good? Because those cornerbacks were lost. I know they're young. We talked about how that was going to be a ca- the case. Yep. But like outside of Lance Kendricks, was there any difference maker <laughs> at all on defense? I didn't hear Harrison Smith's name once. Um, yeah, they got another guy on the line who's decent, but like we it should, was, it was so bad. Before Wisconsin fans yell at you, we should mention it was Eric Hendricks and and Lance's. Oh, did um, I hear Lance Hendricks? Yeah, yeah. I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I default to Wisconsin at all times, so let's just go with that. So, um, I, I don't think they're very good, and they were missing Daniel Hunter in this game, who is their best defensive sure. player. That that secondary is, I think, kind of brutal. Uh, they they looked really rough. Safeties were of no match, and they, they looked super unathletic. Like I was listening, uh, I listened to half the game with the Viking call on since I'm here, and listened to Paul Allen oh, call it, and he oh. was ready to put um, Dantzler in the Hall of Fame in the first half <laughs> on his run support, but he's so slow. He kept getting toasted, and mm-hmm. 
they picked unathletic corners. They just look brutal out there. I think they might not be good. Um, uh, I thought they get run over more. And Monte Adams just so, owns so to, those guys. To uh, go back into my old swing of things, um, QB School on YouTube. Why, uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, Former Packers legend. Uh, JT. Sullivan? JT O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan, thank you. Right. JT O'Sullivan broke down. <laughs> I remember his name, but not the middle linebacker for the Vikings in the game I just <laughs> saw, apparently. JT O'Sullivan broke down the Packers game and like his favorite four or five Aaron Rodgers throws. And MVS plays, he beat press man and never even got touched at the line. Yep. Like, I don't know if that's MVS having a good release or the Vikings corners being really, really bad, but I've never seen MVS be that good off the line. So I'm just going to say it's probably Vikings corners. Probably. So I, I, I will say, I think the Vikings defense will turn out to not be as good and at least until they get Hunter back. But um, it's not like Rogers was lighting up bad defenses routinely last year too. He did a couple right. times like the Eagles right. pass defense. He torched pretty well, but think about the last Raiders, Lions game the uh, at the end of the season when he had one of his worst games ever. And the fact of the matter is even a bad Vikings defense coordinated by Zimmer is probably not one of the worst defenses in the league. And he was just complete. He was so accurate in that game. He really, um, I think he graded out with one bad throw, the, the, the Devante throw and a couple throwaways, but he was so on target every single throw. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he didn't do any of his fadeaway shenanigans. No, he had, his mechanics were good. Uh, I think you can take a lot away just on tape and scouting in this one. He looked a ton better. He, he was stepping into. So, wait, hang on. Can play. you back up about five seconds and sure. repeat that? Uh, you can learn a lot from tape and scouting in this one. He he threw the oh, ball yeah. well. Step- <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna clip that. I'm gonna send it to Domovsky. <laughs> it's gonna be a recurring theme all podcast long. Uh, I you know he did have one one ball to Adams, not the one that he overshot, but the one where he undershot, where Adams had to come back to it and kind of you know just fell on fell over for like a one yard gain oh yeah uh and that one stood out to me because that was so rare you know i, I mean there aaron Rodgers has had ga- had games all last year where he made like one or two aaron Rodgers throws like they're going to happen that he hasn't lost the ability to make magic happen but it was those intermediate throws those short throws those middle throws like those were the things that were so weirdly off schedule last year and and, and they they hammered that this game it was all i mean a lot of it was Devonte adams but like this is what they went to over and over and over and he was money every single time yep. so that Devonte underthrow really caught my eye because it was like okay that's something we haven't seen all all day we didn't see it again he was just so good on all levels of the field he was he was also good from inside the pocket um he has gotten into some bad habits lately of rolling out every single time he's in any kind of trouble he did that a few times and was still accurate but he was delivering also a lot of balls on time in the pocket, using the middle of the field a lot. Um, it's one thing like uh, Archon, friend of the show, wrote about in the offseason. Um, sabermetrically speaking, the middle of the field is the easiest place to pass through. And Aaron Rodgers threw there basically less than everybody else last year. They had a few very nice plays over the middle. The big Alan Lazard um, should have been a touchdown play. was a great over-the-middle play, delivered from the pocket on time. Um, and... They seem to just have really done a lot of work and learned a lot about where their failings were, and you saw it all show up in this game. Like everything that we complained about was basically fixed. So a couple exceptions. Um, they still run that short throw to Devonte Adams, uh, like the short, uh, like flat throw, fourth and one, way too much. Um, it, it's it really it drags down his efficiency. It it doesn't. It's not better than a running play most of the time, and I'll forever hate it for making Adams look worse than he is. 
but um, it's it's a very minor sin in the grand scheme of things. I also don't need to see Jamal Williams getting that many carries. He's this. This is the part where we can transition into why Devontae Adams DVOA isn't sure, very good. We should do that. Um, and uh, this is a good like DVOA thing because um, uh, Devontae Adams, we all know, is great, right? Like we, we've talked, we've we've gone back and forth a couple times on the podcast, but um, there's a very good um, off the charts podcast which Aaron Chats co-hosts with I forget the guy's name, a sports info solutions guy named Mike, whose last name I'll never I never remember. He talks about some of the limitations of DVOA, and one of them is if there is a big number one receiver who soaks up a ton of targets, who's way better than the rest of the receivers on his team, he will be targeted often for inefficient balls because quarterbacks will force it to him. Um, they'll they'll work to get him the ball because he's the most efficient guy, and for many years that's been true of Devontae Adams. And they still run that to him off the line just to get the ball in his hands and get him yards. It's inefficient, but you, you can just see... You know, he has all these efficient targets, too, like the, the, the touchdowns and the big plays, but it drags him down. He's the third, he's the worst Packer receiver in DVOA the first week this week. He's 34th overall, but no one should put too much stock in that because he still plays that role. Um, Alan Lazard was super efficient, but, you know, only four catches. And MVS was, you know, kind of efficient. Could have been really efficient. <laughs> But uh, uh, they're both ahead of him just because their opportunities are sort of this, this schemed open and made more open by Adams drawing so much attention. So um, It's funny. If, if MVS would have caught his two drops, he would have had like that Randy Moss against the Cowboys stat really line that JR predicted. It was pretty close anyway. I mean, <laughs> that was that was a good, a good prescient prediction. It was basically yeah, true. For sure. Yeah, you have to figure in a drop though with him at least, and yeah, it, 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 the it, it's hard to know that short the short one that he caught that was the gimme first down. Hard to know how far he would have gone with that because he probably could have turned that into something pretty special. Man, he and, had green grass in front of him. Mm-hmm. Crazy to see Aaron Rodgers go back to him. That's different from last year. Last year he throws a bomb, MVS drops it. That's the last you hear of MVS, and clearly he's got some you know greater sense of trust this well, year just by so. virtue of being here longer. But this is this is very good. The thing that everyone's doing is tying anything he does back into his comment about watching his 2010 tape. And, <laughs> oh, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yes. So Aaron Rodgers is like, I was watching my 2010 tape. And so like 2010 things he did, he didn't do last year. He threw over the middle. Uh, he threw on time. Something that you saw this game that you never saw that was from Rodgers last year. He'd hit the top ten game. That's true. Both of those things. He would hit the top of his drop. It'd be, you know, five step drop, throw the out route just bam bam um he went back to guys that would drop the ball in 2010 jordy would drop a pass and then jordy would get targeted on the next play like that's something he used to do that he didn't do last year yep um he i'm i think i really think that there was only one or two sandlot plays yep and they were legitimately people weren't open yeah i think that's true too they were because of a defensive penalty and he just chucked it, you know, but I mean like the, the, uh, hold the ball for six seconds kind of play. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And we shouldn't overreact too much to week one likes to play tricks on you. So you never know what's going to happen, but the lions are in all kinds of bad shape next week too. So I think this will probably repeat itself. I think they've got, uh, what's his face is supposed to be back. Trufant. Uh, Trufant's supposed to be back. Well, that'll help a little bit, but not a ton. Um, I think the Vikings should be very worried. Um, they, uh, aside from their defense struggling, like that might be fixed when Hunter comes back. They still have Zimmer, 
Um, Gary Kubiak's their offensive coordinator now, who was in the front office in Denver the last two years, who's an old man and who likes to run the ball a lot. Uh, the Vikings already ran the ball a lot, but there are some really, really, really bad signs on the Vikings on uh, after game one. Um, Kirk Cousins is basically only good when he uses play-action passing. It's the, the whole reason he's a good quarterback. Last year, the Vikings ran it 30% of the time. This week, they ran it twice in the whole game. Uh, once was a touchdown to Adam Thielen. The other time they ran it was actually the Jair Alexander safety, um, which <laughs> which only didn't work because Jair Alexander read the play wrong and happened to get to Kirk Cousins first. But if you go and watch that one, <laughs> all of the Vikings were wide open on it. And it was basically a 96-yard touchdown if Alexander didn't tackle Cousins in time. So um, that's a bad sign. They rely entirely on play action to make Cousins good. And then... Um, us nerds keep a stat now that's um, situation neutral passing amount, which t- basically tells you how much is your offense passing when it doesn't matter, when it's not third and long, when you're not trying to come back, just to judge who's you know running efficient, aggressive plays and not establishing the run. Uh, the Packers are usually in the top five in it. I think they're third this week. It's what people have been pointing to uh, on the Seahawks. Uh, people have been calling for the Seahawks to let Russell Wilson throw more for ever, and they finally they they are now doing that. They were the second highest situation neutral passing team this week. They destroyed that 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 offensive performance was uh, right there with Rodgers. And um, the Vikings are like last. They <laughs> they still love running the ball, and they're running the ball without play action. That's what they did in week one. Um, if you're going to run the ball, a play action is not impacted by running the ball. That's a myth. But if you are going to run the ball. You, you might want to work in play action still, especially when your quarterback also, sucks without it. Also, in a game where you're averaging like six yards a carry, right? On, four, on fourth and three, why do you throw a shot play? It, it was a very poorly called game. They, I think they might be very badly coached, and um, it, everything should like the the lack of Stefan Diggs showed up. Yeah, they had they, they exploded late. We should, I suppose we should talk about the defense a little bit, huh? Getting getting in here. Well, I guess b- before we move on, uh, besides Terrell Davis, what? world beater running back has Kubiak ever had? Uh, Arian Foster. Mm. <laughs> what? Arian he Foster did have Arian great. Foster. Arian so, Foster was the best best running back in football yeah. for a second. Yeah, that's, for two that's seasons. Fair. I think. Um, but I mean, Kubiak had this amazing talent of producing 1,100-yard rushers out of just a guys. He did, but like, he also had some good ones. But, but what, I, what I'm saying is uh, Cook is... is uh, Maybe a world beater. I think he's very, very good. He's good. Um, I don't think that if you give the zone blocking, get anyone a thousand yards guy, workhorse in the modern day NFL, he's going to use him correctly. Mm-hmm. I know. I think he's he's going to use him like 1990s NFL. He is. And that's what he's there for. Mike Zimmer is an old man, and Gary Kubiak is an old man, and they're going to old man this team to death. So. That's uh. It sounds like dork talk. Well, uh, I'm a little so I was very confident in the Bears um, under last week when we talked, and now that they had that stupid win, and now I think the Vikings are quite a bit worse than I anticipated. I'm not as confident in that anymore. I still think they suck, but I, I don't know that they suck enough to hit their <laughs> under. But we'll see. The NFC North is often a contest under. of sucking, aside from the Packers. Uh, it's it's like eight. They, uh, if <laughs> it's uh, it's very high over under for them. I think eight point five was their over under, and that's stupid because they suck. But they might be able to do it. Jesus, I would take the under on that. Right, all day. it's the most obvious under ever. 
I hate when that happens. Um, so I know that. Um, <laughs> we, we, so the offense was dynamite. Rodgers looked like vintage Rodgers. The receivers, you know, we we kvetched all off season about them not picking up a receiver. Didn't matter. The receivers were great. Um, Lazard was fine. MBS was great when he caught the ball. Um, defense not as good on the surface, but not as bad either. Um, so we should talk no. about that a little bit. Christian Kirksey. Oh man, it, did did y'all see Christian Kirksey get outrun by Kirk Cousins <laughs> by like a lot? <laughs> like a lot. I'm, I'm I'm not sure Christian's gonna cut it there. <laughs> um, since I want him to cover people, that's that's really bad. <laughs> I meant to look this up. Is Kirk Cousins That's fast tough. at all? Do we know that? Uh, Kirk Cousins is like Aaron Rodgers fast. So not fast. Okay. Not not outrun a sneaky, linebacker fast. Sneaky fast. Okay. But here's the good thing that you can take away from the Packers. Defense. Um, uh, was it Arif Hassan who did the stat so I credit it correctly? Matt, you didn't see it. Um, I did not see it. Uh, right. Kirk Cousins apparently ran a 4-8. I'm look it up so I do credit it correctly. Um, right, I, I just Googled Cousins. Yeah, he ran a 4-8. So the Packers did give up a lot of points in the fourth quarter, but in the first three quarters, um, they were the best passing defense of the weekend in terms of limiting EPA. So until their win percentage got to like 98% and they stopped carrying completely, they were basically the best defense in football. Now, um, there are some obvious caveats we can touch on there. The big one being they lost Kenny Clark partway through the game, who is, I think, unquestionably their best defensive player <laughs> and maybe most yeah. irreplaceable defensive player. So um, even though they stopped trying, they certainly also got worse from a talent perspective. And that especially hurts them in, in terms of stopping the run. Um, not that it matters when Kirk's trying to come well, back. The, but The loss of Kenny Clark brought out the vintage Dom Capers psycho package. <laughs> let's, let's just put all of our linebackers on the line. See what happens. And then Chiller, was he around? <laughs> I love chiller. It's a big part of that. I forgot all about that. <laughs> Man, that package. Um, the psycho didn't ever work, right? It just looked neat. Did it ever actually succeed? Mm-hmm. I most. I think they. I remember they got a sack out of it once, but it it wasn't it wasn't frequently the, employed. The psycho package, I think, was kind of like the beta release of the modern creeper blitz. That's probably about um, right. just poorly. Uh, what? It's a it's a good analogy. Speaking of Brandon Schiller, I started doing a, a look back to uh, to take a quick quick side side re- road here uh, at every game from the 2010 season because it's the 10 year anniversary of the uh, you know the Super Bowl run. Oh yeah, the first first game of the season against Philadelphia, uh, kind of a kind of a pretty fascinating game. And uh, Brandon Schiller played the whole game. AJ Hawk was on the sideline for the entire game because they they didn't they never left a nickel. And uh, and then Michael Vick came in and. That sort of like was the beginning of the end for Kevin Cobb's hold on that starting job. That was their first year without Donovan McNabb. Super interesting. I, I was, I was, you know, like the names and stuff of the guys that uh, they they had to sign Jarius Win because Justin Harrell tore his oh, ACL. Yeah. Man, I forgot about oh, that. Yeah. There was a lot going on in that first game, and obviously it, it's it's important because they ended up rematching in the same, you know, in Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs. But uh, uh, I really enjoyed looking back. I'm going to try to do that for all the games this year and uh, for all the games from that season and kind of go week by week. So if anybody's interested in that, that's at jsonline.com. No, that sounds really fun, and that season was super cool. We were actually, if there was no season because of COVID, going to do a, a, a live cast for all the games that season. So th- this, sounds, that's fun. this sounds great. Um, I look forward to reading that. Um, so I found the stats. And of, of course. Yes. You so, have to remember the famous Lil Wayne line. 
We knocked the Eagles and the Falcons and the Bears off. Now we're about to cut Troy Palomalu hair off. <laughs> so good. Yes. So so for three <laughs> quarters, the, the Packers held the Vikings to negative 0.61 points per passing play by, by EPA. That is Thanks. for Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings. Um, and that's great. Um, that's fantastic. So they, they, they lost Kenny Clark. And even when you go to prevent, you shouldn't be quite as bad as the Packers were. Um, they... By DVOA, they're ranked 30th in defense because DVOA doesn't treat garbage time quite garbagey enough. Um, so, but they were good for three quarters, and they did not care in the last part of the game. Their win, per- their like winning percentage, never fell below like 90 percent. They were never ever in danger of losing the game, and I don't really care what the defense does at that point. They weren't really trying. Um, they would like snap into trying a couple times to stop touchdowns. Jerry Alexander actually had very good coverage on an Adam Thielen touchdown that was just well executed play. Um, oh man, it was such good coverage. It was. it was just a great throw by Cousins. I hate to say it. Yep. Hey man, Cousins had a couple dimes. Like I, I, you can't, you can't watch that game and not sincerely say that there were two throws that Cousins had that were just darts. Mm-hmm. Um, his very first pass, the rollout to the right, then that touchdown to Thielen. Yep. Those are both just amazing pass he's, he's a perfectly good quarterback he can do those sometimes just uh situation is going to be a little rough for him this year but nobody Let me ask you a philosophical question yep. about the defense playing that way in the fourth quarter so i i've always thought in, in baseball let's talk baseball yep i've always thought it's overdone when when someone says you really need to run out every every ball to first base because while obviously you could create enough chaos where you could potentially get on one out of a hundred times you also open yourself up to needless injury. You know, like yep. if Miguel Cabrera is running out singles in the in the you know in the seventh inning of a of a six round game, that's stupid, yes, it right? Is. So I feel like that's doubly true in the NFL. Now you're going to get guys. Most most onlookers will tell you you got to keep your foot on the gas. You've got to you know really wear them down. You can't let them linger, which which has validity, of course it does. Yeah. But like some point you actually do kind of want to take the foot off the gas because you lost Kenny Clark you can't afford to lose somebody else you know you gotta you know you gotta be you gotta take care of yourself right and you know you're gonna win yeah that's absolutely true you don't you want to have your backups out there when you're up by three touchdowns or when time starts to run out you don't want you, you already lost Kenny Clark you can't lose other people you can't lose Jair Alexander like there's no way to replace him so that's uh, that is 100% correct now I will say the point of the prevent defense is to make it take time to score and kind of run the clock down. They didn't. They didn't do that, and um, <laughs> I do think it does speak to their depth a little bit that their prevent is so bad that it's not even capable of like tackling guys in front of them, which is all that they're really asked to do. But yeah, like it's nothing. It's nothing to be worried about when you're scored on late with that big a lead. It does not matter. Some teams will keep the gas the gas on defense, like they'll have that attitude thing where they'll beat the crap out of you. But um, th- that's kind of ridiculous. You, you don't want to, especially in this kind of season with no preseason in game one where they haven't even ramped up properly. You got to give guys rest. So totally fine. That's good philosophy. Now, you do, you want to avoid the bear situation, or the, I guess the Lions situation. Um, the Lions were up to uh, 99.6 win percentage in that game and lost it to the Bears. So you do want to avoid Oof. things like that. Um, but they happen so rarely, and you should be able to flip your starters back on and prevent it. <laughs> Besides all that, Aaron was scoring at will. So I mean, who did you guys? Play? Did you guys see the win percentage chart for the Packers? Yeah, it's it is. Uh, it's a nice wave. You want to ex- explain why it's interesting? So at the end of the first half, the Packers are at like eighty percent win percentage. It continues to climb throughout the third quarter. 
the end of the third quarter, the Packers are in the 98, 99% range. And there's a slight dip where the, the Vikings scored. Then it immediately pops back up into the 98 range. And then it dips a little bit. And then it immediately pops back. <laughs> so Vikings were never in it. They, they never were really in doubt. Yep. No, it was it was not. It was way far. Like like when the there's a screenshot going around of Devontae Adams laughing and the score is like 29 to 10 or something like that. That's the game. That's where the game ended. Yep. Sure. And it's Scorigami on top of it. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. nice. And so it's, nice and to it's, palin- it's a palindrome. <laughs> Palindromic Scorigami. Who yeah. can ask for anything more? You know, like, like race car or taco cat. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is done. We've we've done everything we can now. <laughs> uh, Andy, Andy Schaff, meme of the week. Andy so, hey, Matt, do you remember I, I, things I forgot to look up because I got too busy today? Who is the highest graded Packer defender by PFF? Oh, I don't know, man. It was here's here's why I went to look it up. It was one of the guys that they snuck on from the practice squad, but I don't remember which one. Barnes. <laughs> I was think it, the, it, it wasn't the undrafted in a linebacker, was it? I think it was. Um, it's Barnes. I think it was Barnes. I'm gonna try and find out real quick. Was second on the team in tackles. He didn't play a ton of snaps, did he? Chris Barnes. He, was, he started, man. He was the. No, he started, and he made that crazy good tackle in the open field. He but um, so, yep. and he had a great game, no doubt. Like that was one of the revelations of the game. But yep. I, I didn't think he played just that many snaps. So he was the highest graded defensive player for, from Pro Football Focus for the Packers in Week One. Um, Chris Barnes, Ooh. who nobody had heard of or thought would make the team before mm-hmm. everything started. So. Um, <laughs> I remember High school someone... teammates with Jordan Love. Yep. Wow. I remember someone mentioning on the broadcast that it was the first time an undrafted free agent started for the Packers, like since the merger. Oh. Huh. Frank Zombo drafted. I don't think he was. You know, it started. I don't know. Yeah. Um. That. Uh, that that was. <laughs> That was quite the quite the thing, and and somebody I think it's one of the questions asked a pretty good one. If Chris Barnes is is sort of the product of the Packers being more restrictive on what reporters can re- could release during practices and stuff, and, was, and sort of hiding who was who was doing well. That was Robert Kim who asked that question. Did, do we have to actually apologize for criticizing this now that Chris Barnes was the best defensive player of the week? Um, <laughs> and I think kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah, because. If uh, th- so, first of all, the Packers clearly thought that some guys that were flying under the radar were very good because they elevated them and played them quite a bit. Chris Barnes being one of them, and um, it's the kind of thing where he very well maybe would have got picked up by somebody else had they not, you know, had they inkled that he was actually good. So um, I don't know that that would have happened, but it's hard to argue with them because they they kind of did what they said they were going to do and snuck some guys through, and they already got benefit out of it. So. Um, I, I guess, I guess the, the caveat, I'm sorry, I, I believe he's the first undrafted free agent to start game one. Okay. Um, since the merger, I think that was like the, oh, yeah. Cause Sam Shields started games. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, that, so first game first... one makes sense. So that's like opening day roster starting, um, also yes. important because Christian Kirksey might be bad. And if he's not, that would be helpful. <laughs> so. I personally don't think Christian Kirksey is bad. I think he's good up in the head and I think he's bad in the legs. 
that is entirely possible. Um, he I'll, was I'll, never. That's usually that. what you want in a middle linebacker. He was right? never overtly in the wrong place. I'll take that. I'll totally take that. But hey, you it, know who is usually overtly in the wrong place? Who? Mike Martinez. Yeah, that's true. He was. He was <laughs> bad. Still bad. Poor yeah. guy. He's going to be so, talked about on every. Speaking episode. of making fun of dorks. And certain st- advanced stats don't matter, but you know what actually matters? Raw stats, tackles, tackles. tackles matter. Woo. <laughs> but like, did like if did, you say tackles don't matter, Blake Martinez will be in your mentions. <laughs> That's good. He, to know. he spent I would a never good chunk of the off season. That. He spent a good chunk of the off season talking shit to people who said that tackles don't matter. Yeah. It was awesome. That's that's just unfortunate. Um, <laughs> COVID gave people too min- too much time on their hands. Yes, indeed, that is very very true. Um, it isn't just Barnes though. Like when you're talking about, I mean, they, they really they lost one guy that they probably would have brought back to their practice squad. The the other Malik, the wide receiver. Yeah. Um. So okay. like from it isn't even just an individual from a Mac. You know, from a from a volume point of view, the Packers got everybody that they probably wanted. So, and it helps when you see like the the. John Lovett got on the field. You know, he was he's a practice squad guy that got elevated because of that new rule. So like you don't you know they love fullback fullback. So maybe maybe that's another guy that they really were worried about. Who knows? I actually think he when they saw his film, he would have gotten snatched up by San Francisco because they were allegedly gonna grab him off waivers if the Packers didn't. So that one I think I was gonna say, like when they saw his film, do you think that he was like a use check? Like Yes, I do. Hundred percent. Would you say that you like it or you love it? Uh, I'm not sure what I'm being set up for, but like it. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know what's happening. His name is Love It. Oh, I see. Ha. I was trying to. He went to Princeton. Did you guys know that? We should start mentioning it now because it will. Yeah, we should be the trendsetters here. Every game, it'll come up. (laughs) (laughs) The trendsetters. Very. I love the Ivies. Everybody loves the Ivies. It's about time they got some attention. Do you know who? You know who led the Dolphins in rushing yards last year? Um, nope, not even a little. Hey bit. Brown, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick no. did okay. <laughs> Amazing. So bad. So uh, I guess we we should do some cleanup and then we can move to questions and, and the Lions. But um, of of also talk about the running game. Yeah. Um, the, the Packers running game. Yeah, Aaron Jones is good. Jamal He's Williams is still as good as he was last year. Okay, moving <laughs> on. AJ Dillon was good in limited time in two carries. Yeah, he was. He looked powerful and fast and dragged a few guys. So AJ Dillon reminds me a lot of a second round rookie who the Packers had recently. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Uh, another big fast guy. Maybe? I saw a lot. I saw a lot of Shreddy Lacy. Um, like first year Eddie Lacy. Reminded me of first yeah. ca- couple carry AJ Dillon. I did think that they would be able to run What's... a little bit easier than they did. Um, the Vikings' uh, defensive front is a little light, especially without Hunter. And um, I do understand why the Packer offensive line was not not as they drew it up. And when they did lose uh, Lane Taylor, unfortunately for the season, they did have to do some rejiggering. That's not going to be good for any run or pass game. But um, I did think they'd be able to push him around a little more than they did. But you know, it was effective enough. So. Um, tip Aaron Jones, nice game. Uh, every, everybody applauds, and you know, he'll, hopefully he'll get better when they play worse defenses. But it was a good, good effort. What is going to be your reaction when, the, when or if this Aaron Jones extension 
it's gets announced or comes down. Like there, there was some thought it might happen before kickoff yeah. here and it didn't. So I, I guess we don't know for sure if it's going to necessarily what, what, uh, because now you see, you see Dylan and you think, well, maybe, maybe that guy could be the guy next year. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. What do you, what, what are you going to think well, when they, when they do sign Aaron Jones? We've talked about how much he's great, but like, he's great, but I, I will complain about it a lot, kind of no matter what. Um, the, the problem is that the, the market for running backs is actually less than like the veteran minimum kind of, because you can find guys like AJ Dillon, you know, two carries, whatever, but you can find, you can find tons of good rookies. Just look around the league this year. Like, uh, there were some high picks. Yeah, like uh, Edward Teller had a good game. Jonathan Taylor had a good game. Um, a, a bunch of other random rookies had like good eight carry games. Um, both high, highly drafted, middle drafted, UDFA. It's just not hard to find them for salary restricted amounts. And um, you're going to end up paying Jones something. I mean, he might not make what Kamara made and he might not make what some of the other highly paid guys made recently. He might not make what Cook made. But he's probably going to make more than you could get um, from a similar rookie for nothing. So it's just a very upside on market. It's a um, it's a rough position just, to be in. Just looked up his calculated market value according to Spot Track. Thirteen point three million a year. That's a lot of money for a running back. Mm. Why that are people him, still paying it? That would make him the second so, highest paid running back. That's a good question. And um, Saints are good. Why why are they paying Kamara? The Saints are dumb with money. Have you the not Saints watched are... the Saints for the last ten years? <laughs> okay, that's true. The Saints are dumb with money, but um the, the Vikings are not. Um they've they're in salary cap trouble, but they're uh they have a good analytical front office. And I am shocked they paid Cook because they're I don't know what they're gonna do. It was a very dumb move. Uh, it, I knew they were gonna pay Cook after they paid Cousins. I didn't think so. I thought they'd let him go. They have Alexander Madison. It's a perfect situation not to pay him. So I, I don't know the answer to that other than that there are, you know, every everybody has their rust balls, everybody has their analytics guys, but everybody also has their old-timey football guys. And, um, like, one of those on the Vikings is Mike Zimmer, and I'm sure he walks in and wants his running back. And there's that to contend with. So, um, I, I, I mean, I a lot of the people who think like me are like, well, this is just stupid, but most people don't think that. Most people think running backs are necessary and exciting and these guys are valuable for the team, and even if our finance guys say we shouldn't spend this on them, surely we should still spend you know eighty percent of this on them. So I think that's what happens. There's another possibility though that we should talk about, which is um, football out front offices might know more than we do, and we just haven't figured out why yet. That's always a possibility. Um, like when Moneyball was written. Sorry about baseball again, Matt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like Moneyball. Moneyball. Um, Billy Bean's philosophy in Moneyball, which Michael Lewis talks a lot about in the book, is that defense doesn't matter. Um, that book is predicated on the the um, undervalued assets being OBP for hitters, and he says you, you can get that at the expense of defense, and it doesn't hurt you. And we know now that's simply not true. Defense is much easier to quantify now than it used to be because of player tracking data. Defensive metrics then were quite bad. Um, but defense can hurt you a lot. Now, shifting's happened, which has actually made Moneyball more true than it used to be. <laughs> but uh, there's there's always new things to learn. And maybe, um, like, here's the other thing, like b- old baseball men always valued catchers a ton. And for the longest time, that value was not found. And we didn't think it existed. And then Mike Fast and Harry and John and Bakla and other guys in baseball found catcher framing. And all of a sudden, catchers became like, by far the most valuable players on the team 
for uh, you know a good long time. So the old baseball men were right. We couldn't quantify it. We didn't know exactly why they were right, but they were right. So maybe there is a thing to running backs that we don't quantify properly and that they actually that a good one actually does pay off. It's possible. We shouldn't That's, discount it. What is it. the what is the uh, framing statistic? Is it like stolen strikes over average? Uh, it's it's actually I think it is like caught. It's CSAA and it's it is like caught strikes over or called strikes over average. I think that's it. It's called strikes over average. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a yes. statistic based entirely on deception, which I guess that's what pitching is deception. So I guess it's the same yeah, but, thing, but I mean, they're deceiving adjudicators. It's kind of it's kind of random. Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league at selling pass interference. It's a thing. I'm I'm sure if, if someone created a dive metric for wide receivers, Devonta Adams would win. Uh, that's probably true. I'm still going to believe running backs don't really matter that much until I'm shown otherwise. But in the back of my head, I will start. I will continue to think there is maybe something that we're missing in the running game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I think in this in this I I work in manufacturing, and if someone says that you can get 95% of the efficiency of something at one-tenth the cost, there's no reason to chase that other 5%, like, at least in, in the world of manufacturing. And and I know that that we can't talk about statistics directly <laughs> applicable to, to football, but like if, if you can get between 90 and 95% of someone's production at a tenth the cost, at a tenth the draft capital, uh-huh. if, if you want to go with the Jimmy Johnson... A draft value chart. If if uh, Aaron Jones' draft capital was one tenth the cost of a first round pick, yep. why not? Well, I mean that's the whole argument for it. So we'll see. People will still do research on it. Um, that would be actually a good like journalistic project to just go and see if you could get a a more in depth explanation of running back value from actual front office guys. I know. Aaron, it's hard did to you just do. roll your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Just don't want to do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it sounds hard. So, um, but it's not like it's some, gonna be that'd be super hard. Something along the lines of Mike Sando's tears article that he just did and his breaking down a Rogers thing. I like. I, I think you know it's a thing. Um, anyway, uh, just other quick things. John Runyon got a lot of time. Played pretty well. Um, Elton Jenkins is your. We need to praise all the fat people. Yep, they were. We they did their job, man. Offensive line. Offensive line played very well, considering Rick Wagner yep. coming out of nowhere. John Runyon really coming out of nowhere. Elton Jenkins proving he can play tackle or guard. Yep. <sighs> tackle of the future, absolutely tackle of the future, and uh, Elton Jenkins played tackle better than Billy Turner plays any position. That is also true. So they did great up front. Uh, unfortunate that Lane Taylor was lost for, lost for the season. He had a very good camp by all accounts and is a very good that guy sucks. by all accounts and uh, has had his season cut short again. Good chance he's done after those two injuries back-to-back as well. So never want to see that. Um, uh, uh, we can see offensive line, too. Like it It's does. legitimately a big deal for the offensive line. Yep, it's a big hit. Um, you can overcome it. It sucks. Yeah. On, on the defensive side, the Kenny Clark injury is the one that looms the largest. That is killer if he's out for any length of time. And groins can go. Um, that That is a, an injury that can be all over the map. I think if he was out for the year, we would have heard it by now, like if it was a muscle tear from the bone or something like that. But uh, groins can keep you out for a long time. I bet he's out for at least a couple games, and he's pretty irreplaceable. It'll make it very easy to run on them, which I hate for next week because Adrian Peterson will probably have a whole bunch of yards, which is annoying. Um, but that's too bad. On the plus side, 
everybody else played good. Like like everybody else played good. Adrian Amos had a great game. Darnell Savage kind of sucked. We shouldn't actually mention that real quick. Got got a stu- couple stupid penalties. Got burned a couple Could times. Could have had another one too. Oh, yeah. Savage, the guy. Savage getting burned even got called out by the broadcast, which is yeah. pretty rare. Said that he cheated up and tried to trust his athleticism. Yep, that happened a Just, couple times. And uh, he's got to he's got to stop that. He was definitely picked on at some point. And you know the Vikings were not having the best strategic game, and they they were at least able to pick out that that guy was cheating up and went after him and succeeded. So there's that. Hey, Rashad, do you want want to hear something funny that's going to bother Jr. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, uh, Darnell Savage was the fastest card in Madden Ultimate Team oh, on geez. defense. <laughs> JR is just staring bullet or daggers at I don't want you to explain it to me right now, but I do want to know at some point what Madden Ultimate Team is, but not right now. It's trading not cards. Right, not, not, it's tra- it's fantasy football and trading This is cards. a little okay. bit, this is the part where I completely empathize with beat reporters who want nothing to do with DVOA. Like, <laughs> like DVOA is something I don't understand. I've said that before, but uh, you know, front offices are, are, are familiar with it and using it. So I feel like I should know what's going on. And most analytics people are using it. Evaluators. I want to know what's going on, dude. When you start talking about fucking cards and video games, I, I can't, my, my brain will ref- willfully refuses to understand what you're even saying. I've never heard my soapbox about the importance of Madden and teaching the masses how to understand football. We th- we had a whole podcast about it last year. I'm pretty sure I was either absent you or were. glossed over. You were absent. Or, you were absent. I scheduled it for a JR absence. So oh, you're, word, you're welcome. Um, By the way, I I'm sorry. I just dropped an f bomb. That's got to be the first one I've I've dropped, and now we have to do the explicit <laughs> oh, no, content. Gotta, my bad, check guys. The box this week. It's always so sad. Friends, uh, I definitely don't think I've sworn on a podcast before. Well, actually, I'm not sure, but I don't think so. Uh, I, I just remember the first time I was on uh, with the Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast and asked if I could swear, and within five seconds, Jim Breen said the F, F word like 10 times. So, <laughs> ah, Much different podcast back in the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so it's hap- When we get later in the podcast, I get tired. Yeah. I'm not as on. Uh, my guard's not up as high. No. That's where we're at. You kind of assume that there's fewer people listening, just the people who want Matt's assignment. <laughs> yeah, certainly do. Yep. Um, uh, so uh, other good things, uh, Rashawn Gary played pretty well, um, uh, especially the behind-the-scenes metrics. He, he had a lot of wins. He was in the right place a lot of the time. He, he had some nice he, – he flashed on tape, as he often does, but with more consistency. He, he was actually a pretty pretty important player. So um, they still don't really have a, a way to solve the run. Uh, if they run into, like, the 49ers again later on – who lost so yeah for that um i think it's still a little bit worrisome that they can still be exploited by a team that that is like the ravens or the 49ers but against the past they were they were really good and uh i think that they can still adjust to the run if they really need to i wish they would sign sign snacks like just for Mm -hmm. that purpose like he's still out there he wouldn't cost that much he is a one-trick pony who's not useful for most of the game but there are these other there are these teams that you're going to run into where he is useful. So just keep him around. Just give him some money. And say you know have a nice break until we need you and go from there. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now that Kenny Clark is hurt, does that not up the possibility that they do bring him in? Um, I don't. I mean, they might bring him in because they have a spot, but he's not a good Kenny Clark replacement um, because no. he does not. No, no, of course not. But but like just in terms of people who play that play up front. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, they might need just bodies up there, in which case, yes. And he does... like he's a he's a Johnny Jolly replacement. He's a weird player just because 
he really does offer nothing on pass rush, and it's nice to get some middle pass rush. <laughs> the Packers can probably weather snacks better than others because they do have the Smiths on the outside, and taking up space in the middle is maybe more valuable for them than other teams um, be- that just because they do have that luxury, but he's he's weird, and I don't, I don't know what they're going to do there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully he's not out that long, and it's not a big well, deal. Obviously, in run support, you should not get a penetrating interior defensive oh, of lineman. Of course not. Yes, you don't want your because advanced metrics say that Aaron Donald is bad. Jeez. Uh, um, I, I read this about my, a criticism of Mike Pettin is that the run defense struggled because there's still a preoccupation with the pass rush. That guys like Zadarius Smith are just, you know, they're they're just going they're going for the quarterback and and that is going to expose them. Do you get, yeah. d- does that ring true at all? He does not give one good goddamn about the run. Yeah, so you're right about that. Yeah, that's that. I think that criticism is completely warranted. Um, and it is actually like a a stat nerd thing where. He invites the run because it's a lower efficiency play. Like, even if Dalvin Cook's picking up like five or six yards a carry, which sucks, they're probably not going to run enough to punish you with it. And it's less than the seven or eighth that Kirk Cousins is going to complete passing the ball. So they invite you to do that. Uh, they like basically tempt you to do it. And unless you are a team that is merciless with the run, it's not going to burn you. So he needs to. I swear be able- we went over this last week about play action. Did did we? I don't. Yeah, the Packers are, we talked about play oh, Packers yeah, we did, are good we did. against play the, the action Packers are, yeah. they don't care about the run. Yeah, like every team in the league like bites on play action instinctively. The Packers kind of don't because they're trained not to charge in and stop the run, which hurts them when the other team runs the ball, but it's great against play action. So, um, everything is choices in football. And I don't like I'm with Patton unless you, you but you need to be flexible enough to realize when you're getting hammered with the run that's the only my only problem with him is he does not do that neither did dom dom was the same freaking way um just crap all right should we do some questions and get out of here because it's getting yeah please i gotta go to bed (laughs) please (laughs) i didn't mean it to sound quite so desperate but uh but we got we got to get to it guys let's go do Matt mentioned Madden. Look at the hell out of here. All right. So, Neil, I think I think we just took care of yours, which is concerned about the defense if there's an extended absence from Kenny Clark. Um, yes is short answer because he's awesome. <laughs> but um, they'll, I think they'll be fine and their offense is good enough to overcome it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not good to lose your second best player on the team, basically. <laughs> um, nothing you can do about that. I, I also, I'm not sure what their defense is going to end up like rank-wise. Like, I, I like it. It's good. But I'm I'm not sure it's like a top seven unit, maybe a top ten unit. Let's see. Um, what's the next question? Ah, there we go. Oh, um, hey, what do you? This is actually a good one. I, I there's lots of good ones, but um, thoughts of uh, uh, on EQ as a healthy scratch, um, because I think that was kind of surprising to everybody. Um, they had four wide receivers active, right? Yeah, they had four wide receivers active. But like three, a bunch of big guys though. They had all the tight ends available. Yeah, and I think that's the answer is that because they're going to run out of twelve and twenty-one more, they just don't have space mm-hmm. for another one. And um, I mean, what you saw is what you get this week. That those are the guys. So, did you guys, did you guys see the Giants ran thirteen personnel and had their one wide receiver run a nine? I did. <laughs> Very fun. That. The Giants are are uh, a whole thing. They'll be they'll be a fun watch this year. Their their offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett. He's uh, not good. So dumb. He's dumb. Should have drafted Jerry Judy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what occurred to me? 
when all those tight ends were were active, like maybe this is <clears throat> maybe this is actually using the active the actives on game day as a as a decoy because then you saw the Packers distribute the ball all over the place to like to everyone to wide receivers and stuff like th- this is telling me that they are going to pound the rock it's going to be you know all running game blocking and then they didn't do it so i thought maybe that's maybe that's part of the strategy here is to is to mislead based on the guys that you activate on game day that would be like 3d chess but of course <clears throat> they didn't end up using the tight ends you know like belichickian is what you're describing. exactly of course they did end up using the tight ends and they did end up you know, it, it made sense that they were active once you saw kind of how everything played out. But, yep. uh, but that was my, my initial thought. Yep. Makes sense to me. Um, let's see. I, I just, I would like to point out that, that the EQ healthy scratch question also came from Neil and he started his question with Ope one more. <laughs> Ope. <laughs> I love Ope. Also like he's not really a healthy, I mean, he is a healthy scratch, but like he's, he, 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 you know, just just coming off some time off, like with, with the injury. He's coming like, off a massive injury, yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily even call him a healthy scratch. Like yeah. maybe he's just not a hundred percent. He's not. He's probably working his way back yet. Indeed, that's he's a working good point. his way back to you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I I had one that I meant to put on the rundown that I forgot to. Um, shoot, I'm gonna find that for it in a second. But let's see. Um, beyond Rogers, this is from Jeffrey. Hi, Jeffrey. Don't remember you commenting before. Thank you for the comment. Beyond Rodgers being amazing, how much of the other stuff on offense is sustainable? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, is, if he has an off game, w- will things be different compared to last year? Uh, Rodgers' off games are just bad for the Packers. So, um, And is DeGuerra going to torch some linebackers that aren't all pros this year? So, um, but Essentially, do we expect this offensive performance to keep up um, going forward? Um, at least next week. Yeah, at least next week. They have a good run here of kind of weaker defenses. And I think... Um, It'll be a while before they're really tested. The Saints, maybe that's in a couple of weeks, but even their defense isn't. So it's good. It's not great. So um, I, I expect so that we we won't know if the Saints are good. Like we need to know if if the Saints are great or if Tom Brady's awful. That's a good. Which that point. question isn't necessarily answered. That's a very good point. Yep. Oh, and Robert Kims was the one I, I also to think. I also think, you know, like from a from a macro point of view if somebody can take away Devonte Adams, if someone can actually keep up with him, you saw how, how much he was used here. Do you, do you trust that the other receivers, you know, that Lazard and, and MVS could, could be guys who, you know, who catch six or seven passes each. I, I don't know. I don't know if we have an answer to that. That's so. a good point. If he runs into, you may a, not see that for a while, yeah. but if he runs into a true shutdown corner that is actually effective, that will so, be a good test. And saints actually, I think have one, don't they? Yes. They've Lattimore. got uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore. Yeah. I'm, I've been terrified to say this out loud. Um, I think that this game was actually the same offense as last year, just executed properly. <laughs> that's possible. I mean, that's it still was, improvement. It was, they force fed Devontae. Whether, like, yeah, it, a lot of it was timing out routes and stuff like that, but you're still force feeding your number one. Devontae set a career high in catches, I'm pretty sure, by the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still you're force feeding your number one. You're sort of spreading it around. You're relying on a lot of trickery and guys being schemed open. It's last year's offense just run well. I think that's true. A little more middle of the field, but basically that's correct. Yeah. Um, and he just executed it much better than before. So, I mean, take take that for what you what you will. But Lafleur's the coach, and if Rodgers is going to follow that plan, I think there's every reason to think it'll continue to be pretty successful. So. Sure, but I'm just I, I'm I'm worried about what it's going to look like when they do run up against a good 
secondary. Yeah, yeah. That was just embarrassing a bad secondary. Next week is another bad secondary. Yep. Very true, very true. So bad. Yep. <laughs> they're the the Lions, but just I know we didn't talk about them at all, but they're just in rough shape. They didn't have Kenny Galladay. Their defense was beaten to heck. Their coach is stupid, and they let the Bears come back from an embarrassingly large lead. So um, I think they're going to be, once again, pretty bad. And uh, regression to the mean should help the Lions, but I think if we've learned anything over the last century of football, it's that regression to the mean never helps the Lions, and they're continually be the Lions forever. So Anyway, Jonathan Deal. Does spending Did the Lions have- piss off a goat farmer or something? I I don't even know how to so explain my, them. My wife is a Detroit fan and she gets pretty upset when they lose. And and it, every year it's the same conversation. It's like she she's like no matter what the Lions will lose. They'll find a way to lose. And I'm like they get into situations where it's mathematically almost impossible for them to <laughs> blow it and and they just continue to blow it. It doesn't matter who the coach is, doesn't matter who's on the field, they find a way to blow it. It's, and I just I, I can't even I can't even fight with her anymore. I'm just like, you know what? You're right. The Lions will probably lose. I know they're up twenty one points in the fourth quarter with, you know, and with the ball with ten seven minutes left, whatever, they'll probably lose. You just you just surrender at some point. You just surrender to what the gods want. Yep, you just know um, there, there's the the Calvin Johnson rule loss. There, there's uh, I remember the the first time I ever met Michael David Smith. Uh, he's uh, from Michigan. He's a Lions fan. And we were watching like the end of a Lions Vikings game in a Chicago bar, and the Lions like scored a miraculous touchdown to tie it. Or t- sorry, they were down by seven and they scored a miraculous touchdown. And Jason Hansen missed his first ever extra points on the extra point to cost them the game. I remember that too. Which is I remember it too. just incredible. <laughs> like the, uh, of all the incredible ways they've lost, like Jason Hansen is one of the best kickers ever, and he went like years without ever missing an extra point, and he gets this one like just routine game-winning extra point and blows it, and they lose to the Vikings, and uh, just. That that franchise is the most cursed franchise. They're they're really just. I feel bad for the Lions. I actually do. Like I, I bear them no ill will. Um, <laughs> their their fans are pretty good. You know, I, I have better time interacting with them than with a lot of the other ones in the division. Just too bad. But, but I'm glad they're here though, because we get two wins every year most of the time. So there's that. Let's see. Um, Jonathan Deal asked, does spending an entire offseason preparing for a run-heavy offense and coming out and having Rodgers throw over 40 times fall under the illusion of complexity? Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, I want to take this one first because the answer is kind of, but I, I do think it's overstated how much they necessarily want to run. Um, by that situation neutral passing metric I, I mentioned before, um, they they pass a lot in situation neutral um, scenarios it's more that they they pass out of big formations so they always keep the threat of the run and the power run out there they basically do to other teams what other teams should do to the Packers which is you know punish their sort of light fronts um, until they switch and then pass out of the same personnel um, because you can so um, it definitely does get teams to not you know maybe stay out of dime a little more than they otherwise would stay out of nickel more than they otherwise would bring out base personnel and then you spread them out and then that's how you get linebackers on aaron jones lies back you know big slow guys on josiah deguera the Packers did that a ton on sunday there's a ton of great shots of them coming out with guys in the backfield spreading them out wide and the vikings just being completely unprepared to cover josiah deguera or um running backs or you know various other 
Alan Lazard even a couple times getting online backers. So um, it, it is the illusion of complexity, but it's, you know, it, it's really simple game theory. Just you, you bring big guys out, you make them bring big guys out, and then you play them like small guys. Simple as that. Here's a, in the JT O'Sullivan breakdown, he looks at the Lazard big catch that should have been a touchdown, yep. but Lazard fell. Um, and yeah, Lazard pulled Hendricks in coverage. Yep. That was his his coverage assignment. Which is and he's crazy. like, are you serious? You want your mic? to cover yeah like you want your mic to cover a wide receiver like good luck with that and that's just that i mean that's a, a basically a touchdown that was created by the play call so um that's very good to see hopefully they keep it up let's see <sighs> and chairs yawning so that's probably time to be oh yeah i'm la- going to bed la- la- last one real quick uh we'll, pretty we'll, sure that's it <laughs> we have one more question and then we are going to bed because it man it's late and you know when they win games and it's fun, it wears you out. Um, so Matt Ballman, I don't remember you guys discussing the Clark extension. Seems like a favorable deal for the Packers. So um, Matt, JR, any thoughts on the Kenny Clark extension? Assuming, let's assume he comes back quickly and is healthy in his normal Kenny Clark self. Yeah, well, I mean that's a pretty big assumption because if he's, yeah. uh, you know, if he's groin injuries linger, man. They if do. he's down for five, six, seven games, the first year of that contract when he's going to be at his best. Uh, I don't think it's a necessarily a great deal at all. Obviously, there's nothing you can do about that going into the deal. I, I like I like the deal. I mean, I love Kenny Clark. I love fat people in general, and uh, he's about as gifted a fat guy as, as you'll have in professional sports. So, uh, so I'm a fan of it on the surface, but this is bad, man. This injury is bad for the contract, bad for the team. Like, if it's if it's a lingering thing, this is not not great. No, I. That's certainly true. If it's a bad injury, there's no sugarcoating that. I, when you sign it, though, I think it looks good on paper. It's a uh, you know, you're getting a dominant guy at a position that's hard to get a dominant guy. I, I do think he's like the second best to Aaron Donald at this position. So, um, uh, yeah, in hindsight, it might not look as good, but it's it's one where I think they they got a pretty good deal. Um, things are spread out well. It doesn't impact the cap that much, and uh, a typical. Yes, injury can make it bad, but Kenny Clark is one of the most important players on the team, and we might find out the hard way <laughs> just how important he is, um, although not against the Lions next week because that will not matter one bit. Um, I'm gonna If Adrian Peterson makes me eat my words, I'm going to be so pissed off. I hate that guy so much. I can't believe he's still in Adrian the Peterson's going to rush for 150 yards and two touchdowns. He probably is. Um, that's that's their weakness, and that's probably what will happen. He is, By the way, he is like the starter starter. He basically took over all of starter duties in the second half of that game, got way more carries than everybody else. God, I hate that guy so much. It's another reason that – so I like the, the Detroit generally, but screw them for employing him. To be fair, a lot of my friends who are Detroit fans were not happy about the signing. Good for them, so. as they as they should not be. All right, so uh, I think <laughs> we can we can get out of here since the last five minutes was a disaster in terms of technology and whatnot. But uh, all right, uh, yes, uh, Matt, I know you have a plug, so I didn't want to like, get out of here before that. Yeah, because you did something. Um, this week I will actually be making a hottest take of the week for the first time in almost a year. Uh. I made a new intro for it as kind of a, a teaser on Twitter and people seem to really like it. So uh, originally I was going to just do a hindsight take episode where I just looked at all the stupid things I've said, like like direct quote from myself is Aaron Rodgers is the Aaron Rodgers problem. And then <laughs> Aaron Rodgers comes out and has a vintage game. So like 
it was going to be a good time looking at myself. However, in the last two days, we've had Jermichael Finley and Rob Domovsky and and basically all of the internet saying stupid things. So I actually have a lot of content <laughs> to do. go over this it's week. A, it's been a banner day for you to bring that back. So good for you. All right. Jer, anything good? I mean, I mentioned earlier my uh, my week by week look back, starting with week one. That's it's a it's some subscriber content you should definitely subscribe to the milwaukee journal sentinel and forget me you should subscribe to it because our heat reporters are fantastic tom silverstein jim ozarski ryan wood olivia reiner pete doherty like they're, they're i mean and i i'm completely biased and you can't trust a word i say but i i honestly believe this so much they're so freaking good and uh i look forward to what they have to say every week and if you want to subscribe, jsonline.com slash deal. You can check out what the latest uh, subscription deals are. Go get yourself some Packers content, friends. You should absolutely do that. Yeah. I've had a lot of pieces at Acme Packing Company lately. One, reconciling Aaron Rodgers. Um, sort of less lesser performances over the last few years with the, the Mike Sandoz piece in The Athletic. Um, one, um, on the... On the um, Matt LaFleur fourth down calls um, in the game on Sunday and why they were uh, good, even though the fourth and one failed um, and why the quarterback sneak is the best and most underused play in football. Um, so I have plenty of stuff over there. Go check that out. And uh, in, in, we'll get out of here and do enjoy the Lions game on Sunday. It should be another barn burner fun one. Barn burner. Barn burner. Barn burner.